Good day, Ms. Martins. Can you um, state your whole name? <clears throat> Sarah Martins. And can you spell your first and last names for the commission? S-A-R-A-M-A-R-T-E-N-S. And do you promise to tell the whole truth? I do. Uh, so help you God? And nothing I but do. the truth, I should say. <laughs> Um, I understand you're from Manitoba, southern Manitoba? Yeah, Mitchell Steinbach. And for your whole life you've resided in that area? Yeah, pretty much. Can you tell us what uh, profession you have or what type of work you do? Um, I've worked for Southern Health for 39 years. Uh, I'm not a nurse. I am a, um, a health care aide. Um, in the last 10, 12 years I've worked um, only in uh, a clinic, which is a treatment clinic in Steinbach, um, also under the health, um, home care. Um, and we um, treat people with IVs, injections, um, a lot of wound care, and that kind of stuff. I understand that uh, an unfortunate accident happened involving your husband. Yes. That would have been... Um, I believe October 20th, 2021. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I don't want to skip ahead too much. Ultimately, his death was ruled to be a, a COVID death. Mm -hmm. But why don't you tell us what happened on October 20th, 2021? So, um, October 20th, 4.30 in the morning, um, he got up to get ready for his job. Um, he had retired from his previous job like that he did forever and this was like a casual job and what it was is he would drive a half ton truck um, with a closed in trailer delivering tires all over Manitoba. So that is what he was getting ready for that morning. I, I woke up and we chatted for about 10-15 minutes and then he was off to work. Then, do I just continue? <laughs> Uh, sure, yeah. yep. Um, so then around um, 8 o'clock, um, I got a call from an RCMP that he had been in an accident close to the Austin area, Manitoba. And um, the, um, they just told me that, they asked me a bunch of questions about him. Had he been drinking that morning? Um, some different questions, um, answered them. And then EMS called me shortly thereafter and told me that um, what had happened and what appeared to have happened is he was driving and he must have had a blackout and um, he just left the main highway into the ditch over another road and back into a ditch. They had had about three to four inches of rain and I guess he got stuck in that ditch. And um, so when they got to him, um, the, the truck was still in drive, the accelerator was pressed all the way down, there was a lot of mud and water flying, and he was just sitting at his wheel, holding on. Um, one of the guys had gone to the window, knocked on the window, he had looked at him, and I guess it didn't register, he looked straight ahead, glasses were hanging on his face, his, his hat was all crooked and couldn't respond. Um, and apparently, according to the EMS, he didn't seem to know who he was, where he was going, what he was doing. Um, and so I'm not sure how long they worked with him, but somewhere towards the end, I think he had managed 
to say his name, and that was it. They, uh, the EMS informed me to, he said, you probably should just get ready and go to the hospital. And, but then he said, no, actually, you can't go there. So he, he just changed his mind on that because he wouldn't let me in. And, um, and so which hospital I, was that? Sorry? Which hospital was that? Um, the Health Science Center. Here in Winnipeg, okay. Right. So I, I kind of sat at home on my couch, and I feel like I was there for like two weeks and two days, always sitting by the phone, always waiting what the next call would be, what the next report would be. Um, they had done scans and tests, and, and what they told me when I called there after a couple hours was that he had spinal injuries, he had brain bleeds, I believe there was two, he had bruising, um, he also had a, a, a bleed in the abdomen, um, and I think probably that was about it. Uh, very confused, and I want to say he was confused. They told me that so many times. He's so confused. He's so confused. And so I did then ask to speak to him, which I did on Wednesday, the day he had the accident. And I found him to actually be pretty coherent. He, he said to me, did you hear I was in an accident? And I said, I did. He was very concerned that someone else had been hurt. And I said, no, it was just, just the truck, just you. It's, it's okay. I said, how are you doing? He said, I, I'm good, I'm good. And, and I think he probably had a lot of drugs in him. I'm sure his body was really hurting. But he was very upbeat. We chatted for a while, and Cork is not a phone talker, and I know that, so I to, didn't... To just interrupt you, who's Cork? Cork is my husband, that is his nickname, he's had it forever. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and I know that I didn't want to, I know he doesn't like phone talking, so I, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to bore him, I'm not going to keep him on the phone, and blah, 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 and so... I just wished him well. I actually prayed with him, um, just, you know, telling him the things that I did. We love you. We're here for you. Um, sorry. Now, I know that uh, a couple days later on Friday, you spoke to him again. Is that right? Yeah. The accident happened on the a Wednesday, and on Friday, you did speak to him. Right. I did. Um, the days in between, like from Wednesday night to Friday, um, he was on some oxygen, doing good, pretty stable. There was nothing very eventful. Um, they did tell me, though, either was it Wednesday night or um, Thursday, they called me to tell me that he had tested positive for COVID. And I'm like, really? And um, so... You know, and after that, there was two different nurses that actually said to me, they said, he tested positive for COVID, but he wouldn't even have known it. It was so mild. So, you know, you go with what they tell you. There's not a whole lot you could do. We were not allowed to go there, not ever. We were told um, he was in ER till uh, Saturday. Um, he had to have a room before we could come, but they, I feel that they misled us. Um, my children say no, they lied, so they're a little bit more direct than I am, 
but they really wanted his story out, so I say thank you for this opportunity. Um, so on Friday, I, oh, and during this time, they were telling me the cardiologist was coming in to see him. They're going to fit him for a back brace. Um, there was a few things that they were going to do. And so each time I asked, has the cardiologist been there? Has the, the, the back brace been measured? Has no, no. And then finally one day the nurse just said, we're not doing anything because he has COVID. And they did not one more thing for him other than give him whatever medication they pumped him full of. On Friday, I called him and it was probably noon-ish and I, I, I talked to him and he was confused, very confused. He said to me, Sarah, do you know my neighbor, we have a neighbor lady, her name is Jan, um, she brought me bales for the cattle. And, I sa and we had a little conversation. I said, wow, that's nice of her. And he said, yeah, she's so good, like blah, blah. And I said, so did you... Uh, I said, you're still working and you're, you're in the hospital? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I'm good and blah, blah, blah. So there was a lot of confusion there. Like, because that wasn't true. We didn't have cattle. We did years ago, but we, none of that was true. Um, so then the funny thing at the end of that conversation was kind of cute, kind of funny, confusing. I said to him, I said goodbye. I said, I love you. And he said, oh, thank you. And then that was it. And that was, that was a bit, that was strange. And it was, I found it a little bit humorous. But, you know, you're in a state of such an emotional place. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of unknown. We couldn't be there. We never could see him. We never could touch him. We could do nothing. We had to trust that what they were doing was the best. And were you able to speak to a treating doctor at all? Um, and that, that was the other thing. Every day I asked to speak to a doctor, and every day I was promised, and every day it didn't happen. On Saturday morning, and, and twice, two different nurses said, well, what do you know? And I said, well, I know what you tell me. So on Saturday morning, I got a male nurse, and I asked him how the night, and I did the same. I called every morning, every evening, and sometimes there was things in between. And, and um, so Saturday, when I called, this male nurse said, well, what do you know? And I said, I, don't, I, well, I just know what I know, what you tell me. I didn't. And I was thinking, they're hiding something from me. And I said, you know, I've asked to speak to a doctor. I've been promised, and I haven't. I haven't yet to have heard from a doctor. So he said to me, I promise you, I will have a doctor call you. And he did. It didn't take too long and the doctor called me. Um, he was rude. He was hard. And um, he told me that they had intubated him last night, the night before. And I just, I felt so deflated. I'm like, what, how, and why? I spoke to him on Friday. I never heard a, a, a wheeziness, a hoarseness, a coughing. I never heard a thing. And I do work in a clinic where we do see these kind of things. 
We have PPE uh, uh, protection things that we wear when these kind of people come in, and I know kind of what to the obvious you would hear. For them to intubate him so quickly, and I said, well, could there have been other contributing factors? Like, he had a kidney stone problem. He had a stent put in to bypass the, the stone that was lodged so that he can go to the bathroom and actually that Friday they were going to blast the stone and, and he's had it done a number of times. He had an infection. No, and I said, could any of that have been a part of the, the blackout? Because that was my question. Why did he black out? And that doctor, and that's why I say he's rude and he was hard and cold, he just says, no, that was COVID blackout. That's what that was. And so none of these other things were factors. They were not even considered. And just and, to um, interrupt you, you're talking about um, when the accident happened in the car. The doctor was saying that's a COVID blackout. That, yeah, that when he initially, the, the reason yeah. he had the accident was a COVID blackout. And all these other things were irrelevant. I will just say, um, in all the medical records, that never came up. It was an unknown reason for the COVID, for the for the blackout. So first, it's one way, and then it's another. And um, but I said to him, I, I or I, I was so. He said, I I spoke to Cork last night. I explained to him what it would be to be intubated. It would make his breathing easier, and so on. And he consented. How do you ask a confused person to give a consent? And it was definitely not an, intubate, an emergency intubation because he had all this time to sit and talk to him. He could have called me. He had time to call me. And, and so it was such an incredible shock the next when I found out that they had intubated him. And you know the sad thing about that is, though, and, I'll just back that up for a minute. The doctor assured me there are no flags here. There are no concerns. He will be on the ventilator three days, maybe five. No concerns. Well, he never did wake up from that ventilator. He never did um, ever. Um, but you know what's so sad and the thing that I have to deal with in my children is why did you not call, let us have a conversation? Why did you decide that you were doing that and it took away from all of us, any of us, to talk to him one more time? And I believe doctors know how many people actually survive, and, uh, survive the ventilator. And, um, you know, honestly, things just went from, from that point. It just was a big, fast slide. And... Um, then he had a, a, a hole blown in his lung from the ventilator, and then he had blood clots, and they were deliberating whether they should give him uh, blood thinners because he had b brain bleeds, but should they do that? And then they decided, well, yeah, it was fair to try. Um, so, you know, uh, it was back and forth. The, the injuries, they had, they had um, restrained him because he got up and walked around. And they didn't want that because of his back injuries, so they restrained him. And um, in the end, 
when it all went through WCB, I'm jumping ahead here a little, they, they threw his case, he, he didn't qualify because his injuries weren't what took his life. It, it, none of this actually mattered. It was um, COVID. So, so you're saying that uh, you tried to make a claim through the Workers' Compensation Board? Yeah, they actually, they and MPI contacted me that I, I could do that. I didn't even know. So I did with WCB. They did all the, the, they went through all the paperwork and they said, well, he didn't die from his injuries. But yet, in the beginning, everything had to be about his, his um, he couldn't walk around, he couldn't do anything because of his injuries and his brain bleeds and all of that. And now none of that played into, into effect. Um, then came the day where um, he was, he was just very sick, so they said. He was very, very sick. And um, I asked the question how long they would keep him on an intubate or on a ventilator. And, um, and that nurse at that time said, you know, seeing you asked, I will put you through to a doctor. So a doctor actually called me, and so then that discussion started. And she too said, it's not good for him to stay on this for so long. They were really hoping that I would make a decision by that following. Um, this was, I believe, on a Monday, and they wanted me to make that decision by that weekend. Anything past that weekend, she said, you are only hurting him. It would not be good for him. And I understand it was November 5th of uh, 2021. He passed away November the 5th. And the original we, accident was October 20th. Yeah. Okay. We were never allowed. They told us that we could come in if, if, there, if at time of death or in the end of life, we would be able to come in. While that was coming closer, we were not allowed to go in. And um, we never were allowed to go in. We never saw him. We did Zoom calls after he was fully intubated. Then they completely um, paralyzed him. So he was like, there was n nothing. Like the machines kept him alive. That's all, all it was. And, um, and that's how we saw him. And, um, and you know, I, I, I feel angry about some of that stuff, and um, I feel like those nurses feel so safe and protected with their PPE protection. Well, I have the same. I have the N95. I have all the same. Why could we not go in there? But they told us, oh, no, he's shedding. You can't go in there. I'm uh, mindful of the time, but I wanted to ask you, uh, how do you think things could have been handled differently? I think that, and it's been said many times, I think people should have the freedom to have a vax or not. I feel that they should not, they should take care of you, um, whether you're vaxxed or you're not. I think, just like Marth said about people coming in and touching your loved one and talking to them, I think that would have been a big thing. Um, but I think the protocols were what they were. And, 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 you know, not to mention the meanness that people, how mean people become. I had a person in the family call me about six months later, and she just tied into me and said that death was so useless. If he would have only been vaxxed, he would never have died. And, you know, you're already down. I was recovering from a full knee replacement. 
um, 30 days prior to his, his accident. And that, that surgery wasn't that successful because I had to have it redone like about four months ago. And so, you know, you're dealing with all of that. You're dealing with the unknown, what's going to happen to him. Every phone call was a negative one. You dreaded even picking up the phone. There's times I just, I couldn't even phone and then, and then I did phone and um, it was just such a hard time. And then you have people who are so mean and rude and, and where's the freedom? Uh, you know, where's the freedom for us to do what we want to want to do? Um, you know, it's so ironic. Like you watch lottery tickets, or there's there's lottery tickets for if you're vaxxed. There's money given at the place of work if you get vaxxed. There's it, like it's just so crazy, and you try to I, I don't know. It, it's you try to uh, maintain relationship with with those kind of uh, mindsets that's pretty difficult and it gets pretty ugly out there and I we have felt that very much so those are all the questions I had to ask you I don't know if the commissioners had any questions I want to thank you very much for your testimony it's thank very you. appreciated thank you.